When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Gotta have those good fingers. Magic fingers. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. You know, I knew him in a different way. Okay, so he was assistant general manager, really doing scouting is really was his role, and um, and he was uh, tremendous at that. And uh, but it was it was the other portion of being a general manager, the organizational, the strategic, the the management of people, the hiring and motivating of the departments. Uh, that's when I talk about not being a fit. That's what I'm referring to. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Rami uh, in Milwaukee, so he's out for this hour. And that, of course, was Craig Leopold press conference today at three o'clock. As the, the owner of the Wild announcing his reasons for firing Paul Fenton after one season or one year, uh, something occurred to me as you played that soundbite as well, where I would like to, again, firmly point the finger at the faults, not of Paul Fenton, but Craig Leopold. Listening to that comment, what you hear is the fact that Paul Fenton worked for Craig before this as the assistant GM to David Poyle in Nashville. I believe Craig sold the Predators off and then bought the Wild circa 2007 or so. But uh, Fenton had been there for a while, and so so um, Leopold knew Paul very well. You know what he's saying? And this is, again, this is, bothers me so much because it's just so ineffective and, and a poor way to run a franchise. Paul Fenton was the one guy, and, and he had, I believe, had had several bites of the GM Apple and hadn't gotten a job, um, Phil Mackey. That basically came in and told Craig exactly what he he wanted to hear. You know, Craig was like, "I fired Fletch, yeah, and I want to win now." And I still think, and, and you think about that. But if you hire a person ordinarily, don't you don't you want to hear a crystallized version of what they believe to be the truth, not your truth? That would be like that, if you're smart. That would probably be the way to go. Like you want to get to know them. You don't want to lay out a path to what, like Andrew Wiggins sat in front of Glenn Taylor. I just want you to look me in the eye and tell me, like, you're, if you want to get this, then you have to say this. Well, that doesn't, that's not productive. If you want to get the job, then you better tell me this. Well, I want to, I want to know your vision, right? Did, right? At any point did Paul, and maybe he did, and it just, did, at any point did Paul Fenton lay out a vision for how they were going to get back to the Stanley Cup championship? I, I'm it gonna doesn't guess, sound like it, no. Either, the answer is either no, which is a mistake, or the answer is yes, and the things that happened in the last 12 months went so far off the rails from that vision that 
There was no choice but to fire But him. Leopold knew from the day that he fired Fletcher that he, in his mind, wasn't budging off the fact that, that to him it's still July 4th, 2012, right? Basically, he has seen every day since that day has been Groundhog Day, which is, I got Zach, I got Ryan, we got a cup coming to us. Yeah. And he fired Fletcher because because Chuck failed to deliver on that. And instead of firing him and saying, okay, I got to take a step back myself now and recalibrate, which is exactly what you had to do. He basically went through a list of candidates and said, tell me what I want to hear. Yeah, Chuck Fletcher's got to be laughing his ass off today, right? He, he is now president and GM of the Flyers. He's definitely laughing his ass off. Man. And this should give everyone a greater appreciation for Chuck Fletcher. I mean, Chuck Fletcher wasn't perfect, and he definitely signed some bad contracts that are still haunting the wild. But Chuck Fletcher was a pretty damn good general manager when it came to building a competitive team. And they did identify some good young talent under him. And now, I, this, this would be my fear now, looking at the landscape, two, two different prongs. One, not being self-aware in your analysis of the organization. Not being self-aware and that the players that make the most money, have the biggest names, and the most clout in that room are all past their prime. You have to acknowledge that. Whether your goal is to win or whether your goal is to tank and then win later, you can't Look at this roster and say, "Oh, this is this is prime for a Stanley Cup run." And if we just like make one more trade, I mean, it's logically you're right. You're beyond that after after a few years uh, down the road. You're going to have guys who are literally close to forty years old under contract still at the top of your salary board. Um, and then the other thing I would worry about is just someone in Craig Leopold who whiffed this aggressively in trying to pinpoint someone to run the organization. And actually, this this ties into Mark emailed us a couple weeks ago, listener Mark, before this all went down. And he said, can you guys, I'm just really, I'm a Wild fan, I'm a Twins fan, and it kind of feels like the organizations are in vastly different spots than they were five years ago when they were flip-flopped, right? I mean, this went downhill fast for the Wild, because five years ago, if we were doing, and we did this on our old show, power rankings, confidence rankings, in the organizations and the front offices, we would have put the Wild very high. Now I think we put the Wild for sure below the Twins, for sure below the Vikings, I think for sure below the Timberwolves, and and then you could add in uh, links and college teams as you want to. My point is, Mark wants us to compare Twins and Wild front offices, and when I think about the Wild front office now, after this news today, I think they've got an owner who literally throws darts blindfolded when it comes to hiring. He has no idea what he's looking for when he says, the guy that I just fired after one year has no organizational, strategic, management, motivational, or hiring skills. What other boxes do you need? I mean, that's an amazing list of failed check marks. And when I look at the Twins, I think, well, they're progressive. Uh, not politically. I mean, like, in terms of thinking beyond what average front offices are thinking about. They're analytical, but they're also, they have a human touch. They're bringing in leaders, Nelson Cruz type guys. Um, they're collaborative. They're reaching out to people that aren't in scouting in their organization for scouting reports on people and on players. I just, it, they couldn't be more different in my eyes right now where the Twins are at and where the Wild are at. It's interesting because the Twins, for a long time, Jim Polad's lack of interest, intrigue, uh, ability to ask questions was a bad thing. Lack of curiosity. Lack of curiosity, because Jim employed the same people for a long, long time and basically thought, and at one time, the philosophy worked perfect. But you know what? You can never, Jim goes to games, but I don't think you can ever accuse Jim of being a rabid fan, right? 
which in some ways to fans I think is frustrating. But if you ever get the right people to run the team, which I think they have now, I think. I'd, I'd like to see more clearly as we go through tomorrow. Yeah. But I think they have the right people or certainly the right mindset of people to run this team. Jim's lack of curiosity now or being a hardcore fan, more importantly, becomes a plus. It becomes important because there's nothing. Jim does nothing impassioned, which can be bad. But if you get the right people, is good because then Jim says, run the show. And it, you know what? Terry Ryan 1.0. Fantastic. He was really good. 2.0, not so good. Uh, Falvey right now has a very good idea of how things should operate. Does a good job, I think. And Jim, being a guy that goes to games, but then gets in his car and goes home, is a good thing. This is where Craig becomes a problem, because Craig's insistence on this being his hobby and his toy and being, you know, sits in that owner suite every home game, crumpled up program, banging on it, Steinbrenner-esque in that way, that becomes a detriment, because he thinks that he knows hockey. He thinks, I'm involved. But what he needs to do... Is he needs to find a per- he needs to find a person now who comes in and says, Craig, here's my plan. I don't really care what your plan is. I care that you pay me. I care that you pay the players. I care that the lights at the X stay on. But besides that, I don't need you. I know what I need to do in 2019-20 to build this team. And by the way, it's going to be my build. Don't tell me about the playoffs right now. Don't tell me about July 4th, 2012. None of it matters. But he can't do that. And so. There's probably a happy medium between where Jim Polad stands in life and where Craig does, but I often think it's the hands-on owner who goes crazy at every game who's way more of a detriment because that person probably knows as much about his sport as I do or less. Like It's not like Craig's a hockey expert. Craig likes hockey. That's fantastic. So do I. I don't own and try and run this team. So that's where the Twins, I think, got the formula pretty much right now because they've got the right people. And your owner is never going to get involved and bang his hand on the table and say, you know, trade this guy right now. And by the way, if the Twins don't make a deal by 3 o'clock tomorrow, I'll have a major problem with that, and I will find fault. But it's not them being cheap. It's prospect hoarding. Like this is not yes. this conversation is no longer about they're not taking on contracts because they don't want it's hoarding prospects, which I don't like, but there's a big difference because if they don't make a move by three oh one PM tomorrow, that's on Derek and Thad, I think, way more than Jim Pollett. I have heard before it's not that Jim Pollett isn't a fan, because I've heard that Jim Pollett still still brings a glove to when he sits up in that suite, he brings a glove. Okay. Like in case a fly ball comes up. That he is he is still very much a fan. But his personality is a lot more distant too. He's just he's not. It, Craig Leopold is kind of a gregarious, yeah. More he's just more of an extroverted personality than Jim Polad. Yep. Um, but there's a there's a denial factor in play. It seems like with Leopold, he wants so badly for this core to win a Stanley Cup championship, and that might have been realistic a year or two ago. But I just unless you hit the jackpot with a couple young cheap players, if you hit the jackpot with a draft pick at some point in the last couple of years that pops up. And yes. if you know, that's really what you're looking at here. There's not, there's not a magic pill you can take to all of a sudden have, no. uh, you know, an MVP caliber player on this roster. And it so, just, and it just didn't work, Phil. It just didn't work. And it was, it was and pretty fun. Like they were, and it was fun and, and it was a good idea, but the, it's not that Craig needs to admit to us. It didn't work. He needs to admit it to himself, but I'll tell you what, if I sit down with Craig and I'm up for that GM job, 
I'll say, Craig, I know that you and Suter are close. I don't want you talking to him a lot now. You can't do it. I don't want players influencing you or me. Or if you do, don't tell me about it. Yeah. Like if, if Ryan and Zach come and ha- hang out at the Leopold compound or something, if you got to do that, that's fine, but never call me about it. I don't yeah. want to hear about it. I'm not going to allow players or basically a hockey fan to dictate how we're going to have success because having success in professional sports in 2019, as we all know, is damn tough. Yeah. If you want, Judd has a hockey show. And if you haven't downloaded it or subscribed to it, anywhere you find podcasts on Apple, Spotify, the Scornoth mobile app, it's called Judd's Hockey Show. And him, Declan Goff, and Lindsey Brown did a deep dive into the news from earlier today. The press conference just went down a couple hours ago. The firing of Paul Fenton. When we come back here, let's go back to Twins. Trade deadline. Roy Smalley from Fox Sports North, 1987 World Series champion, has some thoughts on what the Twins should do. And also... I know he's got some thoughts, too, on the Mets wanting Byron Buxton in trade talks with, uh, with the Twins about Noah Syndergaard. So we'll do that. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North. Join me, Callum Williams, Kendra D. St. Aubin, and Jamie Watson for Score North's coverage of Minnesota United and the Portland Timbers this Sunday afternoon with pregame at 2.30 and kick at 3 right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. All right, Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. And uh, we welcome in now weekly guest and World Series champion, Fox Sports North analyst Roy Smalley to the show. And uh, first and foremost, what are we here? We're less than 24 hours away from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Happy trade deadline speculation season. This is about as fun as it's been in Twins territory since 2010, I'm guessing. Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think so. A lot of speculation and uh, a lot of um, desire out there, it sounds like, uh, for the Twins to make, uh, and I'll put this in big gigantic quotes, a blockbuster trade. But um, those those are not easy. All right, I'm going to preface this question by saying uh, you you trust Lavelli Neal the third, right? He's a he's a likable, yeah. trustworthy guy, right? Yep, I think so. He wouldn't yep. just he wouldn't just spew BS in the newspaper and on StarTribune.com. I don't think, anyways. We all love Lavelle, but he is he was reporting in depth about the Twins' talks for a, a top end starting pitcher, and one of the things he floated is that the Mets in the Noah Syndergaard conversation wanted Byron Buxton in return. And my my reaction to that was awesome. What else are the Mets going to throw in if that's if that's the trade? What did you make of that? That Byron Buxton was was a name that uh, that the Mets would ask for, and do you think Syndergaard and Buxton have equal value? I wouldn't make that trade in two lifetimes. Yep. Uh, there's not a chance in the world. Um, and you know that's the that's the problem with um, you know the expectations about what trades are going to happen. I have a I've, I've been thinking about a, a fun exercise here for for everybody. Let's uh, figure out. Let, let's if we're assuming that there needs to be a blockbuster trade happen. Let's understand that blockbuster it doesn't mean that all the good people come you know in one direction, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of names. This is so. Let's have people you know everybody who, who's interested in this just write down who you think the twins should get and what they should give up. And and just see if as a, if you can be a general manager and decide what the right you know what the right deal is. I uh, I, I think getting Noah Syndergaard right now uh, for uh, a package that included Royce Lewis I wouldn't do or potentially Kirilov. 
uh, in the minor leagues, much less Byron Buxton, who's about to uh, come into his own and just and play six or eight or ten years for you, hopefully, uh, with in, in the way that he's been playing. So it's it's hard to make a trade that you feel like uh, helps your team immensely uh, and doesn't. Uh, take real key people out of your short, intermediate, and long-term plans. But, Roy, it makes sense that Buxton is asked for. I I mean, we're not privy to a ton of these talks, and we do see the speculation, obviously. But you know what? If I'm the Mets, I ask for him. I ask for Lewis. I ask for Kirloff. But but if I'm the Twins, too, this does not mean that you hang up the phone and say, we're done. What you go back to the Mets and do is explain why the package that you're willing to offer them is a good one and it's back and forth. And by the way, it does seem like the Mets and their new GM are dealing almost in a rotisserie baseball sort of way. So if I'm a real baseball guy, I hound them constantly because I don't know that they know exactly what they're doing here. Well, they may not. I mean, the um, you know the Stroman uh, the trade for uh, for Stroman was uh, interesting. I think at best, although it doesn't sound like they gave up. Uh, you know, a couple of pitching prospects that were not in the top 100 or 200 or whatever it was. So it doesn't sound like they gave up an awful lot to get a starter that can be, you know, go pretty nicely with Syndergaard and DeGrom. And, and, you know, I mean, you're always looking for starting pitching. And I was actually, everybody's talking about how the Mets are, you know, just a mess. I was really interested in uh, Toronto trading uh, Stroman for two uh, guys in the minor leagues that weren't uh, weren't that high in uh, at least uh, in the uh, rankings. So I, I that was just a strange trade all the way around. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. And again, just kind of referencing Lavelli Neal's report, there was a lot of teams, including the trend, the, the Twins, that saw that go down and were thinking uh, maybe circle back to us and we well, would have yeah, given you something Judd's, better. Yeah, exactly. To Judd's point, um, you know, the Twins were talking to them about. Um, uh, Stroman, and then the, uh, the, the, the just as Judd suggested, Toronto asked for uh, more than the Twins were willing to give up, and the Twins, you know, we're gonna we're getting back to them about a, another potential deal, and the next thing you know, the trade's done with the mess, and they go, wait, what happened? weren't we talking? You know, what I mean? so you just you just never know how how these things are gonna go. I think. Uh, Lavelle has is uh, is honest as the day is long, and he and he prints stuff that he he's pretty sure he knows about, and and it it sounds like the twins have talked to a lot of people very intently and and intensely about you know coming up with a uh, a big name, a name that I think would excite everybody, and it just hasn't been able to work based on. Uh, you know what? Uh, either the what the other team has been, has offered, or there's just their tactics and negotiation. Roy Smalley, what are your thoughts on Sergio Romo? I like that move a lot. I, I again uh, in the same vein for what you give up there for what you really need. Uh, it, um, you, you need some bullpen help. You need some late inning bullpen help. You need uh, a guy. That, uh, to go with uh, Taylor Rogers that can pitch, uh, you know, in the eighth, both those two guys in the eighth and ninth innings, and it makes it gives you a lot more flexibility and depth uh, between the starter and the fifth or sixth, you know, to those guys, and so I think it makes the bullpen better. Uh, he's a guy that is not afraid, you know. He's pitched in three World Series uh, with the Giants, and even though he's not exactly the same guy, he's still 
getting guys out, saving 17 of 18 uh, this year, and then um, he's just not afraid. You know, he's not afraid to be in a, in a pennant race and, and pitch in a big spot. So, so I, th- I thought that was a really nice deal. Not, it's not a blockbuster, but it makes the team better. It gives the team a better chance to win. Right. If we get to 3.01 p.m. tomorrow and the Twins have not done X, what would disappoint you? What What do you think, uh, in addition to adding Romo on Saturday, that this team absolutely needs to do to give itself the best uh, chance at a World Series berth? Well, uh, it's it's so hard because I think to give them a best chance of getting uh, deep in the playoffs, they need another arm, uh, a starting pitcher or a, a really good uh, reliever. Um, you don't know what's being asked for when they when they try to. They're trying to get either one or both of those guys. You don't know what's being asked for. And again, we have dual objectives here. You, you have the objective of of you know winning this year, and you have the objective of building a, uh, a this organization for contention. You know perennially, and you really can't. If you're looking at minor league guys and you're looking at your at your major league club and you say, okay, this guy in the major league club, I'm going to need to replace, uh, you know, an X amount of years. And by that time, I think this guy is going to be real is 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 going to be a real viable replacement for that guy. You you really don't want to trade that young man uh, in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, you have to be very judicious about uh, letting those guys go. Or you look up one of these days, the Twins have been here. Uh, Kansas City's been here when you've got really good players and all of a sudden you get uh, two key guys hurt and a guy gets older and and um, the, a couple of pitchers don't work out and and then you get the 103 lost seasons before you even you can even blink so I think they're doing a really good job of, of building the organization and building continuity and now they're in a position where they're they're trying to win and they'll do the I think they'll do the best they can to give the team the best chance without uh, without saying, you know, man, with three or four years from now, looking back, saying, man, we really messed that up. Tell me this, Roy. What do the players who who currently play for, for this team, so they don't care about 2020, 2021, if you're a player on this team, or, or to go back to your career, at this time of year, with this good of team, knowing what we know about what this team needs, what were you thinking? What did you want? Well, I would tell you that they, uh, I, I thought, that um, we had enough. It would have been it would have been nice to get a uh, a starting pitcher, but I, I really don't know you know who they would have given up to to get that. When the the big the, there were two I think big deals that helped us win the World Series. One was getting uh, Reardon, and of course Dan Gladden in spring training, Reardon in, in spring training. Those two guys. Uh, but we, and we had them the whole year, obviously. So then you get to. Uh, Trade deadline, and then back then in those days, the you know the way the August waiver time period, and I thought the really big deal that I I really wanted to have uh, happen was uh, when Andy Andy McPhail just came to me and said, Hey, you played with you know Don Baylor uh, a couple of years, and I know you guys are friends. What what would you think if we could get Baylor? And I I pleaded with him for that you know for that to happen. I just thought um, his presence as a right-handed DH would have been. Uh, gigantic, and um, they actually did get Donnie, and um, he hit that big home run in Game Six. They didn't do a whole lot for us, except um, uh, he and Herbeck won Game Six for us, and and Herbeck never gets to the Grand Slam if, if Donnie doesn't hit that home run to uh, off a of Tudor. So um, it, that was the 
you know, that was one of you know, besides pitching, that was one of my big uh, desires at that time. Yeah. Roy Smalley uh, with us. His appearance is brought to us by Doug's Power Equipment in Blaine here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. So speaking of additions, and this was this was a preseason or an offseason addition, Nelson Cruz has been everything the Twins could have hoped, and probably even more. Actually, right now, he has the second highest slugging percentage of any year in his career. And he's, what, 38, 39 years old? He just turned 39. It's incredible. Jim Tomey's impact in 2010 is one that we still talk about a decade later. Nelson Cruz already has as many home runs as Jim Tomey did for that 2010 team. we got two more months to go. It's not even August yet. Can you speak to the value of Nelson Cruz for this team, the the Twins, in 2019? You almost uh, can't overstate uh, how big a, a deal that is, having him hit third in that lineup. And um, not it, it's of course his production it's it's uh, absolutely uh, off the charts um, for a 39 year old or a 29 year old. But uh, what what is kind of um, missed oftentimes is or just not known about much is is what I was excited about when when I heard they were going to get him. It's like okay, you're going to bat him third or fourth, and and they've been batting him third, and he knows how to do that. He welcomes being a uh, third hitter. He welcomes being the guy. And it's not easy to do that. Not everybody can be a third or fourth place hitter, even if they're a really good hitter. There, it's, there's something about having to be, to accept the role of being the guy uh, that a lot of guys can't handle. And once you have the guy, uh, in this case, Nelson Cruz hitting third, when the Twins haven't had that probably since 2010, a, a bona fide third and fourth place hitter. So now Cruz solidifies number th- number 3 and he's the guy. Eddie Rosario has done just, you know, fine as the as a cleanup hitter in number 4 and then everybody else falls into way more comfortable spots and they can relax and and just go out and and know that it's not just on them and they're not the guy that has to be the third and fourth hitter. I just can't overstate how big a deal that is. If you don't, most people don't understand. Not everybody can hit third. Right. Explain this too, because I saw this with Tori. I think the guy that you brought up before Baylor had this Nelson Cruz does too. As an athlete, when you see a guy like that and even before he hits the field, and granted the fact that these guys were all successful is a huge part of the formula, but the it factor in the clubhouse, because you know, we've seen guys before go into that clubhouse and say, I'm going to lead, and guys are like, really? You're going to lead? But Nelson Cruz has that. As a guy who played this sport, what do you see when when I say it factor, what am I saying? Well, you know, it actually starts with example, and it's not just. And you're right that it, you have to perform at a at a high level uh, for, you know, people to look up to your example. But you also have to be an example when you're not performing, or uh, when things happen during the course of a game. I mean, Nelson Cruz has not uh, failed to swing and miss a slider by two feet. I mean, we've seen that. He's been way out in front. He's been jammed. He's he, he's had you know at, you know bad at bats. What does he do as, you know, coming off of that? You know, what, what, what does he practice? Uh, if he's not feeling great at the plate, what does he practice uh, in batting practice? And then how quickly can he get it turned around? I mean, we saw him not swinging the bat great before the, uh, the – and immediately after the All-Star break, and now all of a sudden here he comes roaring back again. And, and people see about how he goes about things and how he doesn't panic and how he has, 
you know, total confidence in his ability if he practices the right way, you know, all those kinds of things. That example is gigantic. And, and that's even before there's any spoken word in the clubhouse about, you know, most leaders that I've seen, Baylor was certainly one of them. Uh, and, and I think Nelson Cruz is this way. They're not real vocal in the clubhouse. It's, uh, they they tend to be more quiet, lead by example, and take a couple of guys under their wing if those guys, you know, show a desire for that and really help them with approach and with, uh, psychology and, and all that kind of stuff because it's tough to play every day in the big leagues. And, and, you know, Nelson Cruz has done it and he demonstrates how you do it. Roy Smalley, World Series champion, Fox Sports North. The next time we talk to you, the Twins will have a rotation of Jose Barrios, Madison Bumgarner, and Noah Syndergaard. So, <laughs> I told you to put the alcohol away before the Smalley segment. <laughs> And they'll no, and they'll have no more minor league system left. But who needs it? We just we just have to win this year. Then they forget about all other years. Light the bridge on fire. Cut the brakes. All right, Roy. We're looking forward to the next twenty four hours, and we'll catch up to uh, to recap the aftermath next week. Okay, sounds good. All right, Roy Smalley, Mackie, and Jeb with Rami on the all new Score North. And just a real quick mention again. We have a super fun event planned a week from today. Actually, August sixth, Tuesday, August sixth. Glenn Perkins. Part of the Scornar Twin Show. We're going to be doing a live taping of the Scornar Twin Show from 5 to 7 p.m. at Modest Brewing, just outside Target Field, downtown Minneapolis. It's a free event, F R E E. It is free to come hang out with Glenn Perkins and myself, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad's going to be there, Rami Makloff, Derek Wetmore, the whole cast of characters on the Scornar Twin Show. And uh, we're going to, Modest is going to uh, give you a beer. We have other giveaways as part of the evening, and we're just looking to have a fun time and talk twins and recap the trade deadline. If you want tickets, again, it's free, but you got to be registered to attend. Scorenorth.com slash Glenn. That's S-K-O-R North.com slash Glenn. And it's just uh, an easy little sign-up, and you can come hang out with us next Tuesday. We'll wrap with Roycey, talk trade deadline. Paul Fenton got fired earlier today. All kinds of stuff to get into with Mr. Ricey, but Luther Brookdale Toyota is on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And I just had such an incredible experience, not only with my new vehicle, the RAV4 XLE, that has all kinds of bells and whistles, safety features that I've never experienced before. Like my car basically drove itself, I feel like, on my way back from Wisconsin Dells this past weekend. Like, what are these buttons? Oh, this is good. Okay, this is cruise control with, like, a radar that senses how far the car in front of me is away. That's awesome. Oh, what's this other one? Oh, this is a a button that just, like, basically puts bumper bowling uh, bumpers on the edges of the lane so that if my car veers, it'll just, like, correct itself. Uh, I don't know. It's pretty incredible. And then you combine that with the service in that service department at Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard. It's a winning combination of Toyotas and great people and knowledge and expertise. The website is LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd with Rami. We wrap with Roycey next. 542 here at Score North. Time for the Score North download. After just 14 months as the Wild General Manager, Paul Fenton is now looking for a new gig after the Wild fired him today with Wild owner Craig Leopold saying this questionable thing about why Fenton wasn't the right fit, and you would probably want to know this before you hire someone to be a boss of anything in your organization. You know, I knew him in a different way, okay? So he was assistant general manager, really doing scouting. is really was his role, and um, and he was uh, tremendous at that. And 
but it was it was the other portion of being a general manager, the organizational, the strategic, the the management of people, the hiring, motivating of the departments. Uh, that's when I talk about not being a fit. That's what I'm referring to. You think you'd go into hiring a boss for your organization knowing that he could do those things, but I guess that's not how it works in the wild organization. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Ron. Well, let's let's bring in Roycey here. So let's just go down the checklist here, Pat. So, um, all right, going to hire a general manager. Um, that turns uh-huh. out he's not great at the organizational, strategic <laughs> management, the people side, the hiring, or the motivating uh-huh. of anybody. But he's a good scout. <laughs> I tell you who's out doing a little French boogie in the background here. Our guy Boots. Boots has got to be the happiest man in town, doesn't he? Boots and Zucker, right? Oh, yeah, Zucker, too. Yeah, that's right. Carly. Carly's very happy, I'm sure. They're not going to get traded now. I'm sure they'll be left no, alone. No, Carly is not, not going to get traded, so that's good. That's good. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. I was actually, I made my, uh, I, I broke a sacred vow today. I'd always said that my, one of my goals in life was to never be in the same room as P.J. Flack. But I went over to the Gopher press conference today, and uh, as that was occurring, I think it was Megan Ryan was sitting next to us and said, Hey, the wildfire defend. <laughs> what? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, you know how I read this, don't you, uh, Judd? How's that? Russo won the power struggle. That's how I read this. It's like you told Ticey years ago, Pat. You told him. Yep. Mike, we always win. Yes. I said, we either die or retire. You never win. We're still there. (laughs) Actually, can we go down the Russo path for a second here? Because it's pretty rare in today's media age that you get a huge story and then you you write the story, and your and the breaking of the story isn't a tweet or you know some other social media mechanism. It's you going out on Twitter with your full story saying this huge thing happened, which is how Mike broke the story today. Yeah. I oh, find yeah. that pretty yeah. amazing in two thousand. I'm sure that I'm sure that he Leopold consulted before it occurred too. Cobyline uh, was there a cobyline? Yeah, right. <laughs> this guy is uh he's a whack job though, There's no doubt about it. He's goofy. And uh I don't you think well I it it's basically very similar to why uh Thibodeau got fired most of that couldn't get along with people in the organization. Absolutely. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh no, and in the in the modern athletics you want uh, to give the BS front out there, right? You want a guy out there like Gerson who could, you know, get out there and say nothing affably, right? Like Rocco. And uh, Fenton was incapable of that. None of us, I don't even, he could walk in a room and talk, and I would never know his voice. Did anybody, did he ever talk to anybody? Fenton? Did he ever do anything? Uh, I mean, not much of anything. He never really, I mean, he was pretty invisible. His end-of-the-year press conference, Patrick, was a disaster. Really? He was defensive, and, and it, it made no no sense. But the worst, the worst was when, deep into that press conference, he, he was asked about Boudreaux coming back, and he said, Bruce is my coach, and Bruce thanked Sarah by saying, I'm glad you asked, because that's the first time I've heard it. <laughs> Right. Yes. Okay. Well, he was uh, he he fired uh, 
Risebrow after his did he buy the team during that season or did he did Risebrow last the season with him? I think he fi- I think he bought the team and then fired Doug. And it might have been during that season. Yeah. And so this is uh this is three here and uh yeah, it's uh obviously uh, you know, I think a lot of people were interpreted as Fenton thinking this should be a complete re- or, uh, you know, rebuild job and uh, Leopold not willing to write off the playoffs. But I think it's more uh, uh, what he basically fired the whole analytic department and he got rid of a bunch of people, no. right, Fenton? Yes, yes, a lot so, of people. Uh, Popular people, too. So. So. Has, has Glenn well, Taylor moved out of the cellar in the Twin Cities local sports <laughs> owner rankings? I don't know, but it's a wintertime arm wrestling match, isn't it? To see which organization's the most screwed up. But this is, uh, you know, they, they, for you know whether Fenton can get along with people or not, they do have to, uh, you know, they got to go out and figure out how to get themselves a couple of guys who can score goals, don't they? I mean, they got to yes. get rid of some of these guys who can't score goals and uh, get some people who can put the biscuit in the basket. Any That's the type of hockey analysis we've been looking for. Yeah, they got a bunch of guys who pour the living crap out of you, you know, including Zucker, by the way, who's Mr. Invisible. Well, he didn't have to stick it out in the playoffs this year because there were none, but uh, otherwise he probably would have. So. Yeah. Anyway, so it is. Uh, I got to think part of it's business, don't you? They're, they're selling oh, yeah. season tickets oh, people right now. Stand yes. Out. Yes, they're losing customers, and uh, you know this is uh, this is this is part of it. But it's a uh, it's a great story. It's uh, it's uh, you know it's. I wish I knew more about hockey so I could really make fun of it. <laughs> they're doing a pretty good job so far. <laughs> I wish I I wish I paid more attention. I think we need I think we need a Star Tribune story tomorrow. Hammerhead Roycey Wild needs players to put biscuit in basket. <laughs> Mr. Invisible, Jason Zucker. That's right. So, well, all right. Russo's, still, now, Russo's so crazy, by the way. Yeah, God love him. I, you know, he certainly does his job well and has a great reputation. But I used to get to, what, three games a year, maybe four, Jed? Yeah, yeah. And when he was mad at somebody, he'd always say, you should write this ripping somebody, you know. Ripping this guy. I said, yeah, that'll be good. I haven't been here in six weeks. I think I'll just walk in and start stabbing you. I haven't even ever talked to him. You know? oh. Anyway. Uh, are you, are you buying, are you, are you buying this, <laughs> this Byron Buxton Mets stuff that uh, Lavelli Neal? I mean, not to, when I say are you buying it, I don't doubt the reporting acumen of Lavelli Neal, but that the Mets are oh. asking for Byron Buxton seems kind of interesting. Well, I'm sure they said, hey, yeah, you can have him for Buxton, but that's obviously. <laughs> That was, uh, you know, that wasn't their end game. I wish I would be sure. I, 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 I don't buy it. No, I don't buy it. I don't buy that if you wanted Syndergaard, you had to give up Byron Buxton. Yeah. I, I don't buy that. I do not buy that. Hey, Pat. I, Pat. I, and I also don't buy that you had to give them both Lewis and Kirilov. I think you had to give one and then somebody else really good, you know. Patrick, do, do you feel like I do a little bit, which is, what Lavelle is reporting is is uh, some people with the Twins setting setting us up for a three oh one p.m. letdown on Wednesday. Yes, yes, uh, Daniel Hudson or Tony Watson. That's what it's going to be. Mm. So, uh, you know, that's going to be it's going to be another relief pitcher. You're not going to get a starter. And uh, in fact, Lavelle's follow up uh, this afternoon, I think, was that. Uh, 
twins have run into the wall on trying to get started or something. Mm. Yeah, I don't think. It's I mean, if you if, if let's say it's a let's throw Mike Miner out there. I like Mike Miner. He's not better than Jose Barrios, but he's definitely one of your three playoff rotation guys. If you enter the playoff series, yeah. Mike Miner's not going to cost you one of your top five prospects. I don't think. Well, that shouldn't, but uh, you know one thing. The Yankees are going to overpay for whoever it is, right? I'm still saying Bauer. And then uh, we'll see after that. But, yeah, Mike, I mean, the, the, the Rangers have gone completely in the tank, and they're going to trade that guy. And they have to realize that if they don't trade him now, they'll never trade him because pretty soon he's going to look in the mirror and say, I'm Mike Miner. I suck. And, uh, and uh, he won't be worth anything. So you better be trading him while he's pitching out of his mind. Right? Like, like Martin Perez. Yeah. You know? He's not, you, know? you can't put him in the same category as Martin Perez, Pat. Well, hold on a second. That Pat. line that line was so good, though. No, no, but I'm saying like, uh, oh. you know, Martin was shaving on May 16th and looked in the mirror and said, my God, who is this guy? I can't pitch this good, you know? I'm, no, I mean, minor's okay, but he's nothing to get excited. I, I wouldn't give up. I, I wouldn't give up, you know, any of the top five, that's for sure. No. I'd, I'd give Nick Gordon and somebody. I mean, Nick Gordon Nick Gordon should be worse than He's ripping yep. it up. Agreed. In uh, triple, AAA right now, and, uh, you know, throw him in with somebody else. And let's go. Jalen Davis is killing it down there, too. Somewhere. They got those second-string prospects that could get him somebody. But uh, I'm still predicting Tony Watson from San Diego. That's not going to excite uh, the masses. Well, no, well, you you know whose fault is that? Yours. You guys <laughs> yeah, I have talked about anything else for three weeks. Oh, wait a second. Oh, I've you talked. About, we're just we're just we're just having some fun, reckless speculation among friends here, Pat. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I know. But uh, I uh, I tried. I attempted to listen to the two-hour baseball show today, but uh, it, uh, I don't think we ever mentioned. That they had a game tonight, did we? All we Wait, they do? Was going to get traded. Who did they play? <laughs> they didn't play last <laughs> night. There was yeah. nothing to talk about off last night. Sano didn't strike out. Buxton didn't get hurt. I know. I know. Trade does not talk. Yeah. Wait till, uh, wait, wait till they, they have a couple of tough nights hit against this good Miami starting pitching. It's good. Hey! You know, they're going to get beat two to one, and people are going to be bitching about they should have gotten a another pitcher so they could beat him one to nothing. Yeah. Hey, what do you think? So Derek Jeter has uh, has alienated whatever was left of that fan Everybody. base. The most the most popular and noteworthy baseball fan in the country, Marlins man, is now on the outs with the organization. Do you think Derek Jeter... <laughs> He's going to games everywhere else. He is. It's, it's hilarious. Do you buy that Derek Jeter is just was just sent to the Marlins to, to screw everything up, or do you think he has an actual plan? Uh, I think that uh, Derek, even though uh, he was around him, he did his duty kind of like a young impotent, uh, not impotent. <laughs> so, I, I need a better Never heard that's a problem for I him. Think he's impotent. I don't think he's impotent if he wouldn't have all those gift baskets. But uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway uh, a, a young... Uh, okay, I don't even want to say a word now. A young <laughs> attitude... Like the, he's like a young tiger. He's always been very superior. He did his, you know, not tiger, not the now tiger, but the tiger. He's just a condescending guy, and uh, 
and uh, he just thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And, and uh, you know, Tiger could have learned. Tiger could have learned from Derek. If Tiger would have left gift baskets, people wouldn't have ripped him. That's right. People wouldn't have ripped him. That's right. Yeah. And if he would have shut his window and not let that seventeen-year-old girl climb in, it would have oh, just been fine. So, yeah. you know. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think he's just an arrogant guy that doesn't uh, Wait, what is that? Pat, are you there? Did you stop talking? Because there's we can. What hit. is this? I oh. have no idea. Is that access to Jonathan? There we go. Turn that off. I had no idea what that was. Okay. It's gone. I think it's gone, gone now. That was weird. All right. Okay. Anyway, Derek's uh, kind of a, the fact that he can be a dick has just kind of uh, been revealed itself here. So that's what I think. What is coming but, up tonight you know, on Roycey on baseball? TK, TK. It's good stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, Kelly's uh, as usual. I think we did 22 minutes with TK this time. Nice. So you get your full. Full dose of TK. Let me just give you a tip. Uh, Miguel Sano's home run to right field made the man, made the former manager giddy. I'll give you that. He's very giddy that uh, Miguel hit that home run the other way. So nice. nice. Well, he should be. That's- all right. Talk All to right. you. Not impotent. I'm not accusing. No, no, we never thought. You, no, we knew never. what you meant. We knew what oh, you meant. Never. Okay. All right. Okay. See you, Pat. All right. <laughs> yeah, he's not. No. Impotent. What word was he going for there? I don't know, but it wasn't that one. That was just a great sequence of events. <laughs> and then I'm done. Gun, I don't want to say a word. He got gun shy. And wouldn't you? Wouldn't he? Well, he, for one, for one point, he said, "I don't want to say a word." Which for Patrick Royce, we've got to capture that yeah. and play it back. <laughs> um, all right. Tomorrow, reminder. Starting at noon, a four-hour Score North Twin Show deadline special. So much speculation. Judd is either going to savage them for not making an aggressive move, Ooh, or we'll be Robbie Ray is still move. out there. Yeah, Bob Nightingale saying Twins interested in Robbie Ray. All right, all right, bye. We're back tomorrow. See you guys. This is probably the easiest crack you're going to get.